Well, praise God. Have you heard that uh, this week was a big win for uh, pro-life and for the unborn in Kentucky? Um, amen. So on Monday, the Kentucky Supreme Court made a decision to honor the, uh, the trigger laws set up uh, there by our legislature and therefore the abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood and EMW abortion centers in Louisville are closed and uh, will remain so until further, uh, you know, whatever, you know, happens judiciously and so forth. And that's why uh, November uh, is going to be a big deal, November 8th, when there will be a, a vote happening uh, to make it part of the amendments of our state constitution. So that's something to pray into and get involved with that. It's also our prayer that Avenues for Women, uh, Carol Tracy ministers and, and serves there, and then a Loving Choice in Shelbyville will, will have increased traffic uh, and in their pregnancy centers and that ministry. Uh, let's just pray for them right now. Lord God, we pray that that, that compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ will will come out of the whole body of Christ and that these ministries, ALC and Avenue for Women's, will, Lord, just grow and in this, uh, this change and transition that uh, young men and women and, and those are dealing with, Lord, we pray that they turn to you in their confusion and you show them your love. And, uh, and Lord God, we thank you for your compassion uh, touching uh, uh, young people and others in this, in this uh, decision of abortion or not. Thank you, Lord. You are the God of life. Bless these ministries in Jesus' name. Another thing that we're going to do next Sunday is we've, as we, we did last year, we, we went to two different campuses. So just plan when you leave, you're going to go either left to Heritage Elementary or Cornerstone here and, and be there for about 15 minutes or so. We'll pray by the front door under the uh, uh, porticos there, uh, and, and others might want to walk around the campus, but believe in God for Him to move in on our campuses that we're close to is really, I feel like, is a, a, a ministry of ours. I'm going to be encouraging that in other churches to kind of adopt schools and, uh, in your area and pray for them and bless them and their teachers. We've done some extra blessings for Heritage staff these last few years. We're going to continue that. And, uh, but we're going to pray for our educators and students at the altar after worship next Sunday. We've done that on a regular basis for a handful of years or so. And so we'll just have those who volunteer in schools, on staff, bus drivers, uh, uh, and then students. And we'll have you up here, and we'll, including homeschool teachers and, uh, and homeschool students. And we'll bless you here after the worship here in the sanctuary. So be aware of that and encourage someone to come who, who uh, of course, would really enjoy that. Uh, yesterday, Vernon and Linda Magnus hosted 34 CMA leaders in the Fellowship Hall and uh, inspiring leaders to, for outreach. Isn't that exciting? 34 leaders ready to take the gospel in a hard place. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. Lord, we pray for great harvest from... Uh, this work, Lord God, in these regions around Kentucky, that, Lord Jesus, you show up on the back of a motorcycle and at a, uh, uh, a dedication of, of laying hands on motorcycles. And, Lord, we pray your spirit show up 
and, uh, and transform lives for the harvest. How exciting. Something that only a, a few people know, I haven't uh, made this public, but I really need you to be praying into this, is I'm going to uh, Cuba with Dr. Tom O'Neill in September, September 22nd through 29th, and there's two ways that you can support us in this. Uh, we are going with Glenn Haynes, Operation Tarshish. If you remember Glenn Haynes from Jerusalem, he spoke here about three to four years ago. And his ministry is to uh, connect with Jews in other lands and other countries and help them do Aliyah. Aliyah is that biblical return of the Jews back to the land as part of the uh, work of God in the end times, as part of how Jesus reveals himself as the true Messiah to the Jews. And there is in Havana... Uh, you know, we believe up to two uh, Orthodox Jewish communities there and that we are uh, asking a, a Cuban pastor to help us uh, make connection there. And so they asked someone from Living Waters or others to go with Glenn and Tom to be an intercessor, that Living Waters carries an effectiveness and anointing and intercession. And so I'm, I'm the volunteer. So you guys got to pray for me that I can do that and we can do it together, okay? So you can be praying about that. I'll give you some things to be specifically uh, even right now. But also, we're going to take, you know, one of those big suitcases, Tom and, and I both, of things for children. This is a, a poverty-stricken area. Things for children, things for, uh, like, over-the-counter uh, just simple, uh, you know, drugs that, you know, you can't hardly get there. And we're going to try to fill those up. So I'm going to try to get a list out to you so that you uh, can bring those in by the 22nd and I can pack those up and take them out, uh, out there. One thing that Tom is saying we need to pray for is there's different visas you have to get in advance. And the religious visa would be the best to give us most freedom to do what we want. But it, that's the one with the most red tape and bureaucracy with the Cuban government. So, so that's a, a big prayer need right now that that does go through the whole process and get done in time. Let's pray for that right now. Father, um, we believe that it's important that, that we are just blessed with as much uh, access, uh, Lord God, as possible during that week. We're asking that these religious visas do go through, that they come in together and get back to us in time. And, uh, Lord, that they would be blessed to open doors of revealing who Messiah really is and, and showing them the truths of uh, the God of Israel, that he's still working today uh, to reach and save his people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am in a at least two-part series that is talking about marriage in relation to Matthew chapter 9, where there's brought up divorce, there's brought up remarriage. And this passage and is a passage that's hard to wrestle with, and it's very controversial, and I'm going to ask you to love me even if you don't agree with me today, okay? And uh, that you would uh, just commit to do that. Um, and uh, again, I can't cover every issue even in a two-part series or so. I'm, there'll be an issue or two that I don't get to, and you Go ahead and email me, call me, say, you didn't talk about this, you know, and what do you think about this? Let's, let's dialogue, okay? And, uh, and so I'm going to, uh, you know, start digging into that today. And so I've um, titled this message, though, Covenants That Last. Covenants That Last. 
that this really is a message for all of us to our marriages to be encouraged. And I'm going to have at the end of my message uh, Fred and Beth Bates to come up and share for a little bit because they were they were at the marriage enrichment seminar this past Friday Saturday, and I. I said, hey, you know, in this series, I'd like for you to share a little bit, and so we're going to do that uh, this morning at the end to encourage us all. I was thinking about, uh, you know, it's a serious, even controversial issue. How can I start uh, this uh, message with maybe some lightheartedness? So, you know, it's easy to find jokes about marriage, isn't it? And so I've got a few here. Um, David, I'm going to skip the one on the slide. Let's, let's hold that. But um, so here you go. Here's, here's uh, you know, a, a few uh, marriage jokes for you. Behind every husband who thinks he wears the pants is a wife who told him which pants to wear. <laughs> My wife does that. She helps me dress. And... Before I got married, I didn't even know there was a wrong way to put the milk back into the fridge. There's a right and wrong in a lot of things. Yeah. She's the boss of the house, but I get the garage, folks. I get the garage. You're not laughing, honey. Are you okay? okay? My wife is blaming me for ruining her birthday. That's ridiculous. I didn't even know it was her birthday. I was just one day off. It was just a day off. She did have a birthday a couple days ago, and... She's, I mean, she's 29, and uh, I told that to the waitress when we were out to dinner for her birthday. She's 29, and the waitress believed it. She took it because she's so beautiful and young-looking. It's no problem. Okay, one more. Every woman's dream is that a man will take her in his arms, throw her into bed, and clean the whole house while she sleeps. Yeah, you know that's, yeah. Okay, all right, so I'm going to get beat up today when I get home. All right, let's um, go on what's next. All right. Uh, to say something that I think is, um, I'm going to just say is a blessing to me, is that, um, and not a coincidence, but my name is Stephen means crowned one. Right? That's the meaning, the Hebrew meaning, when you look up the, what Stephen means. Well, Proverbs 12.4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. So I know I have been crowned by an excellent, beautiful wife. Let's give her a big hand. Being the pastor's wife is not easy. I can tell you that. Okay, so I want to get in the message now. And uh, as a pastor and one of my uh, gifts and training has been in counseling, and so I do uh, do marital counseling. I do premarital counseling as well with particularly those that I'll be marrying. And, um, and Dolores is a uh, gifted uh, in the ministry of pastoral care and counseling, and so she's uh, someone that I uh, join with whenever I meet with a couple. She's my first go-to. If she's not available, I'll look for someone else, uh, another lady, a mature believer in the body, which we have uh, quite a few of those, so it's it's easy to find. It's not a problem, and 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 I know she would agree with me in here. But uh, being in counseling rooms in marriages, 
that there has been more felt pain that we've seen and actually join in and experience to some degree over marital breakup. It's the greatest pain that, that I have experienced and seen. Because, you know, where the greatest sorrow is usually points to where the greatest love was. Or that the deepest grief that we're experiencing is because of a great loss. And when you lose a loved one and you think, well, I love them so much, we were so close, why is this hurting me? I'm glad they're in heaven. Well, because you love deeply, and that's a great loss. And so you're feeling that, that loss through grief. See, God created love. The Bible says that God is love. God created romance. Romance is a pursuing type of love that, that goes after. It can be very emotional. God created sexual intimacy, and He created for marriage. That's where it's, it's blessed. That's where it, it actually has a bears fruit, not just in children, but bears fruit in the relationship. He created it to be a blessing to His children and really all people. These are things He created not just for believers, for unbelievers, for all centuries since the beginning of time. He's given this as part of human experience relationships. And at the same time, the greatest form and impact of rejection happens in families. So a... A divorce is a rejection. It's one of the deepest rejections you could find in experience. Perhaps one equal or perhaps greater would be a parent abandoning a, a child for good. It's rejection. God hates rejection. Jesus ministered out of pure love. He was... Uh, nothing but unselfish to the people that he healed, he delivered, he gave them hope, and then the same one shouted, crucify him, crucify him, to the point of death. He knows rejection as a man. He knows loss, as, as we believe he lost his father at a young age. And so, we see that even with children here, that children experience another level of this grief and pain when going through a divorce. Thank God, God did make children resilient. And yet no ch child it can just simply overcome that breakup and rejection in a home. Because we're not designed for that. God hates rejection because He didn't design us for that. He designed us for a love and acceptance. That's who He is. He is the the God of truth and grace. He is the, he, God is love. So He created us to experience and be like Him. And but yet, in this imperfect, sinful world that we live in, we experience rejection. Hallelujah. That there is healing for us all. And despite what our experiences we've done as an, had an adult in marriage or as a child in our families, what divisions, breakups happened, Jesus Christ is a healer. He is our healer. And He restores our soul. This word covenant is a powerful word. I, I'd like to use it some this morning. I use it a lot in marriage uh, and wedding ceremonies. 
So a definition of a marriage covenant is, I'm stating it like this, that God treasures love, romance, and sexual intimacy. Therefore, he protects these by creating marriage covenant, a lifelong commitment between two people of the opposite gender with God himself as their unifier. I believe it's true that even if you uh, uh, got married way before you were a Christian and you weren't serving the Lord at the time, I believe God was there as your unifier, recognizing that covenant made between man and woman. And God said, I am here and available for this marriage to be sustained and be a blessing to the next, you and your next generation and beyond. I don't believe in this, oh, well, we, were, we got married, you know, when we were sinners, we were just selfish, this, we just, and, and it really didn't count before God's eyes. No, I believe God was there. Marriage was created for all people, and He, he is there for that covenant. I want us to go to Matthew chapter 19. That's, uh, we're going to stay there for a while and, and scriptures around it, even in, in back to Matthew 18. Then we're going to go to Matthew 5. Uh, um, and, and look at uh, scriptures in around Matthew 5. So if you have your Bibles, great. If you don't, pull up your Bible app because I want to point out some things happening around specific verses, and I want you to be able to see that uh, for yourself. So in, um, as you remember, we just did Matthew 18, the Matthew 18, 15 principle where you go to someone who sinned against you, and that's a process of restoration of trust and relationship, and and then uh, the next piece in, in Matthew 18 is forgiveness, where Jesus says, you know, you forgive uh, 70 times 7, and, and uh, the parable of the, the servant that wouldn't forgive. And, and then we go right into Matthew 19, and it says here that Jesus has departed from Galilee. He went into the region of Judea. Uh, that would be closer to the city of Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and if you go to Israel with us, you'll be able to see in your mind what this looks like. And, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them. But there were some Pharisees, as I'll start reading, who wanted to trick him in a controversial... It was a controversy back then, too. They had debates on what did Moses really mean about a certificate of divorce and all that. And, and so this was part of a controversy, and they're trying to trick him. And so let's start reading there at verse 3 of Matthew 19. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And so what we have here is a reflection on what's, what happened in uh, Deuteronomy 24 with Moses. And there were these two camps of rabbinical teachings. One that was really strict that says, No, you, there's, there's no reason you can get a divorce unless it's marital unfaithfulness. And then another camp said, no, because Moses said you could get a certificate of divorce. You could release them if you didn't, didn't have favor in their eyes and, and there, you, you saw some indecent. And so there was this debate, and the Pharisees trying to get a, a debate going here. Verse 4 says, and he, Jesus, answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. 
So this is one of the most well-known scriptures in a wedding ceremony. Because Jesus is repeating uh, that how God created marriage, it's this special union where uh, a man leaves his father and mother, he's joined to his wife, they have sexual intimacy to consummate the marriage, and they become one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. It is as powerful, it is direct, it is a strong stance. He's saying, no, no, he's answering this Pharisee, no, you just, you just can't get a divorce for any reason. Listen to how God created it. Look at what it does. It's, it's an unusual union of one flesh, and this is what God has brought together. Let no man separate. Let's read a few more verses here. Verse 7, they said to Jesus, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. So we said, Okay, all right, okay. From the beginning it wasn't this way. This is not how God intended it, but... So Moses, what he did was permitted these uh, divorce to happen because of your hardness of heart. Let's go to verse 9. So Jesus is, is saying, yes, there is this, this, this adjustment since Genesis when God created it, and he wants to address this more. And verse 9, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except, except for immorality and marries another, Woman commits adultery. So this is the phrase, and Jesus says it again, a little more detail in Matthew 5, we'll look at it later, that, boy, this, that's a hard one to grasp. Is, it, is he saying that remarriage for someone is, is adultery or ends up committing adultery in the end? And, and so there's this you know, confusion here, and, and I'm going to go into some cultural context and some stri- scriptural context that I believe clears it up for me very clearly. In the next few verses, I'm not going to read it, but I do want to uh, refer to and explain it. He says that, he goes on and talks about eunuchs. Eunuchs are those that either, in, in those days, they were in palaces, they were castrated to not have any sexual desires, and he talks about uh, eunuchs, and he uses that phrase. And in the end, he says... There are those who choose singleness for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Who is able to accept this, let him accept it. You know, Jesus was single his whole life. And he says here that there is a singleness in, in Christ and before God that God can use that in the kingdom. Paul says a similar uh, type statements in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32 and 33. He says, but I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of uh, the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And Paul was single. And in chapter 7, quite uh, often in this chapter, he does promote, hey, singleness is not bad. In fact, there's advantages in ministry if you're single. If, if, if this is God's will, if this is God's way, you can step into this and live like I live. 
And so both Jesus and Paul, they do, in a sense, give, hey, singleness is not bad, it's not wrong. In fact, there are some advantages to it. Now, when you start looking at, okay, you're, we're going to look at scriptures, and we, we, there's a lot, we're only going to kind of focus on two areas right now uh, in, in this, this uh, part one. But there's common questions people ask, like, what, what is, what, what is, it a, what is a, a legitimate divorce? What is it when it's a just cause or a unjust cause divorce? What are the biblical reasons for divorce? And that's something that I will start on that list today and, and go into next week, Lord willing, to um, be more specific in, in that list. You might hear the term a no-fault divorce is what's used now in, uh, uh, in the court system where you don't have to list who was at fault, who did the worst part, and who was to blame, and, and have it all listed in, in, the, in the court records. Uh, it just says it was no fault. It was irreconcilable differences. Some more common questions are, who is the innocent or guilty party? How long do you stay in this broken covenant situation? Who can and cannot get remarried? And looking at this Matthew 19 scripture passage for me, and I think many people, the hardest aspect is how do we understand about the remarriage piece and how Jesus connected that to adultery? Well, let's look at Matthew 19.9 again quickly, and that's going to lead us to some other areas in the Bible. But as I say to you, Jesus said, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So we know that, that one of the biblical reasons for divorce is sexual unfaithfulness. That's just, we'll just go to the, start this list right now. It's clear, it's there. We'll build on that later. And Jesus said, uh, the reason that Moses uh, opened this door for divorce is because of a hardness of heart. Talking about other reasons besides sexual unfaithfulness. See, we are in a totally different dispensation, a totally different era of time. We are in a completely different situation that even Israelites, God's people, under Moses. They only had the Spirit come on, come down and touch them externally at times for specific uh, things. They did not have the Spirit of God living in them like we do. And hardness of heart can happen even to a believer. And it's, it's so disheartening to see that happening and see that in a counseling room. It's, it's shocking. It's, it's like, oh, Lord. Because if we have two people who are believers in that counseling room, then I believe that, hey, Jesus Christ died for them. He put His Spirit in them. He took a heart of stone out, replaced it with the heart of flesh, where He dwells. That is called justification by faith. It is His righteousness now is given to us. And then we have the full potential of sanctification to continue to grow with this new heart. And our, our mind and our, uh, our ways and our behaviors can change because of this power. Moses and even great Moses didn't have that spirit within him like we have. 
And so I want to tell you, Dolores and I are people of faith, and we have, we have faith that God can restore the worst situations that sit before us because God is in here in them. I believe He loves covenant, even if there's an unbelieving spouse, that God is working powerfully and deeply. So, I want us to go back in a, in, and let me kind of just give you some background, some history about Moses' time, about when this scripture, in De- it's actually in Deuteronomy 24.1. If you want to go there, I don't have it up on the screen. But what it's saying is, is that it says, when a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds that that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from the house. No favor in his eyes. There's some indecency. In, why can't I say that? In, someone say it for me. Indecency. Indecency. That helps me a little bit. So, folks, this was a male-dominated society and true in Jesus' day as well. It was a strong patriarchal society where women were, you know, primarily looked at as subjects, as property of of the men. And so these divorces that these men... Women couldn't ask for a divorce. Women could not initiate legally a divorce. So all this teaching that Jesus is giving is directed to men. And back at Moses' time as well. And what what is happening here is that women are being divorced, getting being thrown out of the house. And now if they have, particularly have children, how are they going to provide for their children? How are they going to provide for themselves? Even today, in today's world, with all of our laws and ways to try to protect children and women, in our society, single moms have the highest poverty rate than any other group in our, in our country. Imagine what it was like there. The poverty rate for women in ancient Israel. So I believe that this statement that Jesus gives... And go ahead and, and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Is a statement to, to cut off so many of these divorces and so many women who are being thrown out on the streets. They have a certificate of divorce and, and probably the best thing that means is that they're not a prostitute. They can prove they're not a prostitute. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and read these verses here. We're going to Look around it uh, here in a little while. Verses 31 and 32, Matthew 5. This is part of the Sermon of the Mount. That's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all read. And Jesus is speaking. He says, Furthermore, it has been said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adult, adultery. So there's this, these divorces were causing, in Jesus' 
uh, way of describing this is causing the man, the woman, to commit adultery as she starts looking for a new home, and it causes the man to commit adultery. And so is this really the whole picture that remarriage automatically results in an adultery except for sexual immorality, as Jesus said there? But what he's doing, remember, he is in a, a controversial debate where one is saying, no, it's only strictly a divorce is okay with uh, the rabbinical view that uh, over sexual immorality. And the other one says, no, you can do it for any reason. It's, it's very lenient. If that man determines that she doesn't have favor in his eyes, she can, he can let her go. And I believe that Jesus as we find what he's like with women in his ministry, he was there to protect women. He was saying there's too many divorces going on here. You men, you're just doing this for selfish reasons. You're just looking over the fence. The, green, uh, the grass is green on their side. You're thinking, oh, I can have a better life if I have a better wife. And you end up just writing, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. And boom, there she's off. And there you are looking for somebody else. That is a spirit of adultery, folks. That's saying, no, I'm not satisfied here. I bet I can do better. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting my, you know, I'm sure I've heard stories over here. With it. I bet I can find. And that's the spirit of adultery on the man being tempted to not work this covenant. He's made covenant. The Israelites knew what covenant was. It was, it was ingrained in them. There were people of covenant with God. And yet, they're writing these just plenteous divorce certificates and releasing these women to be defenseless and unprovided for. See, Jesus showed this in other ways. John chapter 4, he tells a woman at the well who had been married five times and she was living with a husband, he revealed to her that he was living water. He revealed to her uh, that true worshipers must worship in spirit. And she goes, well, that will only happen when, when the Messiah comes. And he says, I am he. He tells a woman who is the most dejected, least valued woman in the whole town. She was at that well by herself because she was rejected by the other ladies. And there he is giving her revelation early compared to other people of who he really is. Jesus honored women. He lifted them up. And she was a great evangelist. She went into that town and they had a revival. That was in the Samaritan village. The disciples didn't even want to be there. They're like, oh, this is Samaria. Let's get out of here. And Jesus lifted her up. Jesus had 12 disciples who were men. But he had a group of women. Some were wealthy that provided and traveled with them and provided for their needs. You know, if they're flipping the bill and they're making, they're making a lot of the decisions, folks, he lifted those women in into decision-making uh, financial uh, uh, leadership in his ministry. Who did he reveal himself to? I mean, this is the miracle of the whole world of the whole universe that jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and who does he reveal himself first it says he first appeared to mary magdalene who he delivered seven demons out of it says that to specifically to say jesus first 
chose her, and look where she came from. She was, you know, someone that was bound in darkness and sin and was delivered. Jesus lifts up women. This is the same scolding and correction rebuke that in Malachi chapter 2, where God is rebuking uh, the Israelites and He's speaking to the men. He says, you've dealt treacherously with the wife of your youth. It says, God hates divorce. And He rebukes them. It says, this is what... In this passage in Malachi 2, they're saying, we're crying at the altar and you don't hear us and you're not responding. He's saying, because you have dealt treacherously and with, faithlessly with the wife of your youth. That's why I'm not answering your prayers. So this is high on God's list. I want to tell you, I believe that spirit is in America today. We do have the highest divorce rate among all other countries. Now, when you look at the statistics, it's hard to find. You know, they all say a different various things of the divorce rate in America. The way I'm just interpreting it is that it was close to around 50% back in the 80s. It flattened out. In the last 10 years or so, it's been declining. And so, uh, you know, again, looking at different set of articles and so forth, it's around 40% of first marriages end in divorce. And in second marriages, folks, it goes up to 60% divorce rate and, and above. And third marriages, it goes even higher, 73% and up. And it's, it's, that doesn't make sense. You know, you've all learned a lot from the first marriage and divorce. Surely the second one's going to be easier. No, let me tell you, folks, if you're going into a second or third marriage, you need to be that much more prepared and sure that it's God because there's a lot of cleansing that needs to happen before that marriage covenant it's going to be one that lasts. Don't treat it lightly. Don't go in there with pride. Oh, I know what I'm doing now because I did, you know, I've already experienced it. No, listen, the stats don't match that. The experience don't match it. Same thing. It just, you know, makes sense to the millennials, right? They're younger and they're going to do it better than their fathers and, and their forefathers. And they're not going to have as much divorce. We're going to live together first. We're going to try it out. We're going to kind of fall in love and then go live together and then we'll set a marriage date. And then it's good. Guess what? The stats are worse in divorce if you live together first. And secular counselors and psychologists cannot explain it. They, they're baffled. They say, well, you know, keep trying. You know, maybe we can help. They can't explain it. Let me tell you, I can explain it. There is a God. And if there is a God, He's the Creator. And if he's the creator, he created love. He created romance. He created sexual intimacy. He created marriage. You want to read his manual. That's what you get when you get a brand new tool or a complicated, you know, invention. You get the manual closer. You have to look it up online now, don't you? You don't get it much in hard copy. And it tells you how to make this cool instrument, this cool technology work. And people are saying, I don't need the owner's manual. I don't need help from the one who invented this. I'm going to do it our way. And it makes sense. We'll just practice first living together. And it doesn't work. It's not God's way. All right, so I believe that in the cultural context and the debate that Jesus was in at the day, he was protecting women. And he was saying to those men, you are just led by a spirit of adultery and you're going with greed 
and lust looking for someone else and you're, you're just leaving these women to, to themselves unprotected. And so you're out there and she's out there and you should be together. This could have been worked out. There wasn't a big issue. Now let me show you another thing. If you follow with me, and again, we're going to look carefully at Matthew chapter 5, some interesting things about this chapter that reveal a lot of what's going on. In, in Matthew chapter 5, we have Jesus starting at verse 17. I'm just going to tell you about it. I don't have it on the screen. But he's saying, listen, I'm not here to abolish the law and prophets. I'm here to fulfill it. My teachings, they fulfill the law and the prophets. But then he goes on to say in verse 20, he says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees, they're trying to follow all the, the, the old, what we call Old Testament scriptures, the law and the prophets. They call it law and prophets. They're trying to follow this all really carefully. And, and yeah, okay, yeah, they did it. Yeah, okay, I did it what it said, right? Yeah, I followed the root, yeah. But their hearts were far from God. In his teaching, Jesus teaching, no, listen, I'm going to show you a deeper way. Yes, the scripture said this, it was said this, but I'm going to go deeper into the spiritual elements, the root issues, the issues of the heart. And that's what he does in this chapter. Six times is this phrase for six different teachings of Jesus for the rest of chapter 5. I'll just read you this phrase out of uh, look in your Bibles or your apps at verse 21. It says, you have heard that the ancients were told dot, dot, dot. Next verse. But I say to you, six this rest of this teaching has six of these teachings set up this same way. I'll just read it to you in 21 and verse 20, 22. So you know what that first one is. You have heard that the ancients were told back in the law of prophets, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Oh, Jesus has taken the, what was written about murder, and he's saying, listen, if you're angry, that is a sin also. He's saying it's a spiritual thing that starts inside. You see that? That's his pattern through these six teachings. What's the second one? The repeated phrase is verse 27. Again, look in your scriptures. I don't have it up here. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 28. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So he's saying, listen, okay, yeah, you stayed faithful, but what was going on? You were coveting those other women. And again, he's talking to men because men are the ones that initiate divorce in this day. You're, you're, uh, you're, you have a spirit of lust is what you've got. Yeah, okay, yeah, you stay married to your wife, but look, what you, look who you pursued and what was going on in your heart. That is lust, that is greed, and that is what hardens a heart. Now, our verse here is the third repeated phrase, the statement that Jesus gives. Let's look at it together, verses 31 and 32. For the, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. 32. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her 
to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman is divorced. It, who is divorced commits adultery. So again, there is an immediate tie-in in this passage that we're looking at that context is everything. And he just said that adultery is lust. So he's saying, all you men out there, you were actually operating out of a spirit of lust and greed. Now, you know, I use the word all there, and, and I don't know any, any person's heart. Jesus, I'm paraphrasing his purpose here. He's trying to stop a trend of male domination, of neglecting and abusing women in this structure of easy divorce. And so I believe Jesus is taking this to a spiritual dimension that says you need to be real, you realize there could be a root cause for that divorce and it could be lust. Because lust is what leads to actual adultery and lust is where Jesus wants to deal in our hearts and lives. I want to go now and some of my final uh, scripture passage here. Back to Matthew 18, which we spent a couple weeks on. Because I want to I caution people that this spirit of lust is tricky. And that even with adultery, that... You, if, if, so, if a spouse commits adultery, you have the biblical reason ready and available for divorce. And I will support that person in their choice. At the same time, Jesus has a pathway of forgiveness and Matthew 18 restoration that I would encourage, are you, are you willing before God to give what he, pattern he gave for restoration? Are you willing? Now, it already said, if there's been sexual immorality, there's freedom there, and I support that. So I want to read this Matthew 18 in a different light, as if it's us two spouses that have the conflict and the sin is there. So I'm going to read it slow and stop at each one. If you're, not brother, but if your spouse sins, go and show him or her his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have one your spouse. Now, probably in most marriages that are breaking down and now they're feeling that, oh my goodness, this could lead to a divorce, they have talked about it or yelled about it or screamed about it. So it's, this step one has probably happened, but I'm going to tell you, step two, in many cases, has not happened. Verse 16. But if the spouse does not listen to you, Take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. That may, may not have happened where you took a couple of friends of, of, of you and in him and, and who see what's happening and establish, yes, this is this, either this sexual immorality or this other uh, grievous uh, attack on the relationship and on me is happening. And you bring them along and to, this, to an honest face-to-face confrontation. This, this doesn't happen real often right here, folks. 
Then even the next step, if the spouse still refuses to listen, tell it to the church, and if the church refuses, to, if he refuses to listen to even of the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. So what does the church represent? The church is, means those leaders who represent the church. I mean, you don't get 100 people. Let's have a meeting with 100 people. You have those who are the spiritual leaders of that church, and this is what counseling is under the eldership of that spiritual family. That you have the spiritual elders, and like our elders, Dolores and others, working together to go with you face-to-face and say, there's hope here. There's, God has a way of restoration We've established truth with these witnesses. We know what's going on here. And we might discover some new things as the meeting happens. There's always two sides or three or four or five sides of a story, right? And that's why you want to meet is so you can share your side of the story. The way I want to um, end my piece here, and I'm going to ask uh, Beth and uh, Fred to come up in just a moment, that covenants that last are with those who are willing to go to counseling. And the younger generation has no problem with counseling. It's some of us older generation. Man, that's, I'm going to look bad. I'm going to be a Listen, I, I love Martin, Martin Mallory. I love having sessions with him. I want to encourage you. You don't have to wait till some crisis to get, have some counseling. I'm going to ask Fred and Beth to come up, and then um, after they're done, we'll have some worship, and I'll close. So this is something for the Holy Spirit to cleanse us wherever we're at. And again, I'm going to get into more details about other biblical, what I believe are biblical, I show scriptures and so forth and scenarios of reasons for divorce. But God wants to cleanse us in our motivations. And that's what he was doing with those men, saying, I know what you're, it was a spirit of lust. That's what was motivating. And he was giving them a chance to look honestly at themselves. Fred and Beth were at the um, uh, enrichment seminar yesterday. And it was led by Todd Claypool and his wife. As I'm getting to know him and being in more meetings with him, and I'm really liking their work, their material, their approach. He does counseling uh, for individuals and for couples. And so I really believe this ministry is, is just going to be a local resource for us. You won't have to travel to Louisville and Lexington, but it will be right here for us. So uh, what, what's something that's on your heart that, to build us all up, uh, Fred and Beth? Well, it was, it was really worthwhile to go. Um, Beth and I have been to marriage conferences before, but, you know, it is always good to be in something like that and to be reminded of where, speaking for me personally, of places where you need to work on your marriage because there is always places that God can poke you and remind you of where you need to be active in your marriage. Um, and I'll say that, one, before I read this verse, one of the things that was so unique, there was a couple there that talked about how many times they came to the point of almost losing their marriage. And it does happen, but they talked about how God challenged them 
and kept challenging and challenging them to fight for their marriage. And if you met this couple, boy, I wouldn't want to be in a fight with these two. Boy, their personalities were just tough, but they were the type of personalities that they fought and fought and fought to save their marriage. And I think they said 10, 15 years later, they're still working at it, but God has kept their marriage together because they fought for it, and they were willing to do whatever it took. Um, one of the verses that they had was there, as we've heard it many times before, um, is from 1 Corinthians um, 13, and it just talks about love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, um, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no wrongs. And, and I think that's really key in a marriage, and that was one of the things Todd really focused on with about how do we, um, in our marriage, reminding us of places where we... Um, feel dishonored or get angry or da-da-da and about me, me, me and not looking at the other person and their feelings and what's going on and why the, the things are going on in their life and not really getting down to the deeper issues. We may think it's about the milk being put away in the fridge the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Never heard that one. Um, but it's really a deeper, deeper issue that sometimes we as couples don't really want to talk about. Or we're not comfortable, but we have to be challenged to talk about. And it was very worthwhile. I highly recommend Todd, Beth, and I both do for marriage counseling or just really has a heart, he and his wife, to just help people's marriages. So, you know, like Fred said, whether you've been married two years, 30 years, or 50 years, I think it was just a great reminder of, oh, yeah, that's how we're supposed to talk to each other. That's how we're supposed to listen to each other. Um, whether it's your first marriage conference or your fifth marriage conference. Um, one of the things they talked about, it talked about commitment at the end. Um, remember why you got together. Remember what attracted you. Um, remember your first date. Remember the, the good memories, the anniversaries. And, and then decide to make a choice. Decide to do things differently. You know, we all make mistakes. It's time to move on. It's time to do things differently. And then the third thing is do it. Do things differently. After you make the choice, start doing things differently. You can start today, start tomorrow. Um, we all have to make the choice. Thank you, and thank you, Fred and Beth, how you do help uh, individuals, families. You walk with people through uh, hard times, and I'm so grateful. For Let's give the Bates a big hand for how they serve us so well. So you're right. I didn't answer your question. I didn't deal with your issue. I didn't get there. I could explain some more, and, and we could have gotten more into Matthew 5. I know. But listen, I, I just want you to know, we believe in God's work in blessing marriages. So please don't wait until a crisis. Dolores and I want to meet with you, you know, set it up this week, next week. We want, to, we want to help marriages. And then what we do is, is we see, hey, yeah, this, you could use some more uh, in-depth help. So why don't you, here's a couple possibilities for counselors. And then we will stay connected. If you give your counselor permission then every you know month or two or something, they you give them permission to give us some updates, how it's going, generally speaking, so we know. Then when that counseling season is over, we are up to date, and we can continue to walk with you over the months and years. We do not want you to be alone in this. 
This is not a battle to, to, to go through alone. And there is this Matthew 18 process where you join loved ones and the body of Christ together to see God do miracles of restoration. Let's just... Uh, I'm going to let the worship team yeah, go ahead and, and be ready here. I'm going to go ahead and ask the altar ministry teams to be here uh, ready for prayer. Uh, and um, uh, good, okay. And um, let's go ahead and bring the lights down, uh, David, at this time of uh, prayer. So, Lord, speak to us, purify us. Thank you that you are you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That Lord, as if you and as you convict us of sin or even old sins, Lord, you're faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Lord, we don't have hard hearts. We have a new heart. We have a heart where your spirit lives. So thank you, Lord. There's there's hope, there's promise for our future and our relationships. Lord, we just pray for right now, our marriage, our own marriage we're in, or that our friends are in, our family's in, we pray for marriages right now. Have your way by your spirit.
ironic blessing over you, your marriage, your family, your loved ones. The Lord bless you, your marriage, your loved ones, your family. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to your home, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His shalom. That's His peace. Where everything is it really ought to be in your generation and the next and the next. Nothing missing, nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of His smile of approval of you. For in Christ Jesus you are approved. May you walk walk under the warmth of His presence and hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. Thank you, Lord, that you do give us your shalom and your abundant grace. We sure need it. We say thank you. Amen. Have a great week. Great to see you.